0: the Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We are joined by a very special guest today, over 12 years experience in the sales ops space, four years specifically in SaaS sales ops. Uh, Jeffrey Davis of Baker Hill, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's kick it off. How, how do we first get into sales ops? Because I have been looking at your work history and previous roles uh, have been sales ops related, but weren't actually called sales ops. So how did, this, how did you get into this in the first place?
1: Yeah, so a very unique experience. Um, You know, I I entered my senior year of college not having no idea what I wanted to do um, Mm -hmm. outside of, you know, being in some sort of business role. Um, So, my senior year, we had a capstone project and thought I would get into IT consulting. um, And really, that was the track and what I was really targeting. So, went through all kinds of interviews at the end of my senior year and really found out that, you know, being a, a consultant. Um, traveling wasn't necessarily what I really wanted to do. So I ended up landing a um, sales reporting analyst role, very junior level um, within at Angie's List. um, And that was on the sales operations team, uh, kind of underneath that umbrella and uh, kind of really learned this whole new world of, of the workings behind the scenes on how to support sales from, you know, um, building up the funnel, working those leads, um, converting them into opportunities, turning them into signed contracts, um, then getting people paid—you um, know—the whole contracting process and and really um, learning how the CRM um, works within an organization.
0: Got it. So you were like, I don't want to be the traveling consultant that's doing boring client work. I want to get stuck in with one business. And you entered in as a sales analyst, well, a sales reporting analyst actually, um, yep. that gave you exposure to the whole sales process. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I loved uh,
1: knowing my my customers were at the same organization. Um, someone I could go out have a beer with after after work. Um, in and I found that. You know, in my experience, when you're able to establish those types of relationships, especially with the sales teams you're supporting, it makes um, changes and just overall communication
0: much better go and and you said something interesting that I think you said that having your customers to the same organization are are you you're uh, referring to your salespeople, right? Yes, yes anyone that I support or help out, I view them as as my own
1: customers um, some some of my early managers um, had that mindful approach and Mm. it kind of rubbed off on me. And and like I said, you know, it it holds myself accountable um, to the organization and the folks that I'm, I'm working
0: with. Got it. And do you see yourself uh, having, having any other customers in the organization apart from the sales team? Uh, Yes. Um, I've found that, you know,
1: in a sales ops role, um, I know there's kind of this movement into a revenue operations where it includes mm-hmm. finance, includes marketing. Um, but prior to that kind of evolution, you know, I, I found the benefits of um, finding partners, finding mentors in other areas of the organization because you get to share ideas. What's working in one place, um, maybe you can apply, you know, the the basic skeleton of of that process. Or you know, leverage technology that other areas of the business are using to to help sales. Um, what you find out with conversations is you know in some way everyone within the organization is either supporting or relying on sales. Um, yeah. so anything you can do to 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 make sales more efficient, you know close more deals, close bigger deals, um, close bigger projects is going to help you know the services team is going to put uh, money. Um, bring money within the organization, um, and give um, you know that that kind of learning story to help the marketing department. What's working? Um, what's not working? What could we be doing better? What kind of messaging should we be changing? So um, it's it's been a fun and ever evolving um,
0: sales operations world for me. Got it, and I totally agree. Like the sales team is, the, in my opinion, the team that's at the forefront of the interface between the business and the customer. Yeah, you have customer service, right? But if I think the sales team get more because they're at the interface where we're converting prospects to customers. They get so much information, right? And so yep. I, I, I totally agree when you're saying the marketing relies on sales because marketing are interfacing with customers, but they don't get as much info like sending loads of emails, right? Um, exactly. So I, I totally agree. Um, current sales ops tech stack at Baker Hill.
1: Yep. So um, we are a salesforce.com shop. Um, it was implemented about a year before I started um, and um, not implemented maybe the best way. Um, mm-hmm. It was a big data dump in from our old internal CRM into the new Salesforce. Um, so when I brought on, that was one of my first projects was to clean that up. Um, so we deleted um, nearly 2000 fields from Salesforce that just we're either duplicate field information, um, or just not being used at all anymore. So major cleanup. Um, so we use that as our CRM, manage our pipeline, report our sales. Um, our finance department uses uh, NetSuite um, for all of our rev revrec um, things like that. Our marketing team um, uses Pardot, which um, we have a direct connection into Salesforce. Um, so that way our our um, Our sales reps can see the the marketing events that are going on. So the messaging being sent out, who's coming to webinars, things like that. Um, We use Lupio for our RFP process. Um, That's that's on my desk as well. Um, So whenever we participate in RFPs, I use the the tool called Lupio where I can assign our subject matter experts and assign it to them. They get an email saying, hey, you've you've been assigned this section of the RFP. they add their responses, they send it back to me, then we export it back out um, into our standard RFP responses. Um, We also use a tool called Insight Squared for a lot of our um, visualization tools, Um, mainly automated emails that go out on a weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis that go out to our executive team um, that reports on the health of the pipeline, the health of the the bookings. Um, Also kind of a competitive feature to show um, how everyone is trending to their annual quota. Um, you know, it stack ranks everybody, and so you can see who's at the top of the leaderboard and who's kind of close, um, just to build that kind of competitiveness within our sales sales structure.
0: Got it. Awesome. A pretty comprehensive tech stack. Um, I assume that you're responsible for data quality.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, myself, well, I, I'm lucky enough, I, I partner with... Um, with a few folks from our our IT team, our um, yeah. Salesforce administrator is actually on the um, IT umbrella, which oh, yeah. is good. I would love for him to be on my team, um, but understand that you know, with our entire organization using Salesforce, that uh, if he was on our team, he would. Pretty much be hundred percent dedicated to sales and ignoring everybody else. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So um, the other good thing is our client base is um, our their financial institutions. So all that um, most of that uh, data is public record. So we use um, two different resources where we export reports and then do a quarterly update to our um, data quality. Um, but ultimately. Outside of that, you know, we're reliant on our sales development team, our sales reps that as they, you know, engage with clients, prospects, um, what have you, that any changes that are made um, in the financial world, there's a lot of acquisitions and mergers. Um, so we do a pretty good job of, you know, finding out about acquisitions and mergers, you know, typically shortly before they happen. But we, you know, we rely on our sales team to, 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 loop us in or notate that within the account records themselves.
0: Got it. Um, Now moving on to your relationship with the sales team. um, How are you currently working to make them more productive?
1: Yeah. So I've been lucky enough. um, I'm in a role where we have uh, roughly I think we have 13 sales reps. So um, I I have a pretty good relationship one-on-one with each of them. You know, I talk to them on a regular basis, um, but really engaging them in, you know, <clears throat> what's working well, what where are they getting stuck on deals? Um, you know, what what troubles are they seeing within Salesforce itself? Um, so I, I meet, like I said, I meet with them on a regular basis um, and ask for their input. Hey, you know, what would you like to see? Um, what's missing, you know, what you work with active clients, you work with prospects all the time. What are questions you're getting that you need to have, you know, be battle ready um for when those questions come about and let's see how we can get that in the system um and easily visible. Um and then like I said at the beginning of this year we rolled out new sales methodology. So we were we kind of rebuilt our whole opportunity structure within Salesforce to follow that sales methodology. So mm-hmm. we went from, you know, we moved to being more buyer, um, buyer, but the the client's buying process specific. So, um, to advance an opportunity, a stage in our Salesforce, you have to check off all the exit criteria for each stage. <laughs> Excuse me. So we've got that built within Salesforce, you know, we. Check the box. You put any notes on there, um, and that kind of has helped us learn a lot this year as to what what works versus what doesn't in our in our um, sales process,
0: especially against competition. Got it. So I, I'm hearing in the first part of what you just said that you're able to understand how to improve the rep performance because you have a one-on-one relationship with all 13. Um, what do you think? I, I assume Beck Hill is going to may scale in the next few years. What are you going to do when you you won't have that one-to-one relationship?
1: Yeah, I think um, so. I've I've been there before with Angie's List. You know, I started there. I think there was like 200 total employees, and then when I left there, we were up over 1,200. So, sales team grew from you know 30, 40 people, where you were you didn't necessarily have that one on one relationship, but you knew a lot of the players and and kind of met everybody through some sort of process. Um, But you know, as you scale, you grow bigger. Obviously, you know, you hear from certain individuals who are, you know, more outgoing and asking for help. Um, But really, you know, as you scale, if you can, you know, have that partnership, maybe not at the rep level, but at the management level. So, you know, um, section managers, directors, um, keeping that partnership, um, you know, ever evolving that those lines of communication. Um, And a lot of times what I've found has been successful is try to get invited to the team meetings. you know, I may not go to every single one, but it is nice to show up and just listen. Hear hear what um, hear what those folks are saying. Is working. What's not working. Where they need help. Um, and then after that team meeting, you know, I, I kind of schedule a quick one-on-one with the the manager or the director, and just say, "Hey, this is what I heard. This is what I think. What kind of changes we can make to the system to to help your folks out." and uh, kind of get their buy-in and then have them communicate it to their team and then relay any kind of feedback that way. So you kind of move up a level as you as you grow. So you try to keep a, a one-on-one relationship with the entire sales org,
0: um, just maybe not at the individual level. Got it. Um, and on that point, when you do look to change something within the sales process or sometimes it, it could be small or it could be large, what do you... or how do you go about getting the sales team to buy into that change? Yeah, so what I've found that works,
1: you know, almost hundred percent of the time is you get um, get everyone involved in the process, and maybe not everyone, but you get a few individuals involved. Typically, some some top performers, um, some mid level performers, and even some some kind of lower performers. Um, you sell them on the idea of the change, um, get their feedback. Because obviously, you know, me who's not on the phones every day or on the front lines making sales, um, you know, it's it's much easier for me to say, oh, this will work. Um, but, you know, if you get their feedback, their direct feedback um, and include them, let them be a part of the change process um, and you get their buy in that when you roll it out to the entire team, you're going to have some internal um, champions um, that will spread the good you know, say, hey, this helped me do this better or say, hey, you know, I struggled last quarter, but now my, my numbers have increased or, or what have you. Or, hey, instead of spending two hours to prep for a um, solutions workshop, you know, we, we do enough at Discovery that we can get the solutions workshop to be prepped in, you know, 30 minutes or what have you.
0: Got it. Um, moving on to forecasting, what's your role in that process? Yeah. So it's, uh, again, another evolving uh, process here
1: um, here at Baker Hill. It used to be a um, data dump from Salesforce into an Excel spreadsheet Mm -hmm. um, the morning of the forecast call. So it was typically, hey, everyone, I'm running the report at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So any changes you have to your pipeline, get those in. I actually send the Excel file to leadership at 9.30 Eastern. So if there's Any emergency changes that you need, get them to be before 9.30. Um, And then, of course, you roll into the forecast call, and there's always changes that that didn't get communicated outwards. So um, here in the past 60 days, we have actually moved that into Salesforce. So we run our weekly forecast calls um, out of a Salesforce dashboard that looks at current month, current quarter, next month, next quarter. Um and we kind of talk about those deals. So we also label every opportunity um, as a commit, um, meaning um <clears throat> meaning, yep, this deal is actually happening in the time frame I, I have it labeled as realistic, means it's in play, everything's trending well. There's just one or two key pieces um, before we get final sign-off on the deal. Um, and then we also have best case, meaning it's not likely, but I haven't given up hope on it. If all the stars align, you know, this deal could still happen this month, this quarter, what have you. Um, so as we go through the forecast call, you know, we kind of talk about recent wins that happened in the past week. Um, talk about the commits. Hey, is there any change? Do you need anything to finally get that signature by end of day tomorrow or first thing Monday morning? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then we kind of focus on the realistic. All right, these are still in play. What do you need um, from, from us as a, a leadership team? Um, and the good thing about still being small is our executive team listens in on the forecast calls. Um, and they're always saying, hey, you know, what do you need from us? How, how can we support you and, and, you know, check off those final boxes um, on these opportunities?
0: Got it. So on that forecasting call, uh, all the sales, you know, like all of the sales reps and the sales leadership and the exec team. Yep. Got it. And then so feedback, so basically the, the sales reps are reporting up and then feedback is coming down from leadership and exec team kind of offering help or asking specific questions.
1: Correct. Yep. So cool. typically by the end of the month and quarter, there's a couple of deals that are on everyone's radar and, you know, mm. we're, we're calling those out. Hey, what's happening. Um, are we still uh, on pace? You know, is, is everyone hearing to the success plan that you have in place with, with that opportunity, um, you know, just kind of focusing on what, what can we do as an organization to, to better support
0: that sales rep to, to get those deals across the finish line. Got Go it. Um KPIs. What in the 12 years of sales ops experience, what has been a KPI that you particularly enjoy? Uh so my favorite
1: KPIs are um, you know, not only win rates, but um closed loss reasons. So why are we losing deals? Where are we losing them in the sales process? Um, who are we losing it to? Those those are my favorite. Those are that's pretty much the tried and true. Um, you know, every board meeting, every annual review is, you know, what's our win rate, those that we've lost, why have we lost them, who have we lost them to, um, and getting that competitive information. And again, kind of incorporating the entire organization, going back to marketing and saying, all right, you know, how do we highlight what we do best as an organization that our competitors can't, In um, continuing to evolve that message um, looking back at lead sourcing, you know, where, where'd that deal come from? Did it come from a webinar? Did it come from someone downloading white pages? Um, did some, did it come from an RFP? Um, things like that. So who are we, who are we losing to, but also, you know, who are we, who are we beating in every deals? It's always fun to, to look at, look at those. So those win loss reports, um, so those are pretty consistent um, everywhere that I've been. Um, but any other kind of standard KPIs, you know, you have your, your deal cycle, how long does it take to close a deal, um, average deal size, um, things like that. Um, but typically, you know, what I've found that is, it's, it's what's the strategy of your organization? Um, and one thing that I always ask in, in those strategy meetings is, all right, what's your desired out- outcome? All right. That's your, you know, is it to grow sales by 20% in this region? Okay, so what kind of steps do we need to do that to, to get there? Do we need to uh, get more leads at the top of the funnel? Um, and typically, those kind of conversations drive what kind of KPIs you want to be tracking. Um, one thing that that I always love doing is showing value, whether it be in, in a change and <coughs> saying these KPIs, these things will improve with this process change. Or, hey, you know, we've invested X amount of dollars into this product. All right, now, how do we make that, you know, how do we go to market? You know, how long is it going to take for the, the market to, to see, to buy into, you know, that new product and things like that? So, um, you know, like I said, specific KPIs, they're, they're kind of all over the place. But like I said, it kind of comes back to what's the, the desired outcome and, and the strategy of, of your business.
0: For sure, and I think the master stroke there is really digging into that quality data and then the feedback loop, right? So, okay, yep. we lost three deals to the company. Let's change the sub headline on the site because we're not like focused on that. And that I think is that's really important. Um, yeah. Finally, who has taught you the most in sales operations? Yeah, so um,
1: kind of looking back at my career, I can think of like three or four folks that kind of really stand out. Um, Matt Dooley first hired me back at Angie's List. And again, coming out of college, not really sure. What what I wanted to do kind of showed me the ropes, um, kind of taught me the importance of um branching out, outside not only, you know, the different sales teams, but you know, other business functions, finding mentors, partnering folks with, um, and really kind of giving me the keys to kind of start my sales operations career and just being a resource to to use. Um also at ANG's list, Mike Rutz, um, you know, I met him, I think day one of, of, of the job. And, um, he, uh, he kind of drove me to, to, to be better every day. So really appreciate that. Um, my last stop at, at duo, Erin Howell. she brought me on. She was, um, director of sales at operations there and just said, you know, Hey, it's up to you to partner with sales leadership, marketing leadership, finance leadership, product leadership, um And really build your brand within the organization, so she kind of brought me on board inter- made the soft introductions and then let me run wild with it so um that was that was a big help and then here the past four months um, had the opportunity to work with Lee or um kind of came in and drove a whole bunch of process changes to um to our sales team and uh again, you know just said, Here you go, you know, make it happen and
0: uh and really appreciate that appreciate that four months that I had with him. Awesome. So I have Matt purely Mike Ress, Aaron Howell, and Lee Orr. Yep. Fantastic. Okay, that brings us to the end of the interview. Now, here are the things I have a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> I like the the, the initial insight um, about the customers being salespeople. I thought was pretty powerful. The feedback loop from the closed lost reasons. I think like every sales team or sales leader or person should be doing that. Um, and then yeah the still maintaining the one-on-one relationship with the sales team as it scales but maybe switching from reps to managers or leaders uh, as that does scale but still keep the one-on-one relationships um awesome thank you so much for for sales off wisdom um it's been an absolute pleasure jeff and thank you so much for coming on yeah thanks for having me happy holidays